Pastor Corey here with Heights Church. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about Heights Church, simply go to weareheights.org or follow us on our Facebook page. If you're looking to get plugged into a church, feel free to reach out to us via our website by simply clicking contact, and we will help you find a similar church in your area. Hope the podcast serves you well, and thanks for tuning in. my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. The word of the Lord. Church, for those of you who know me, I'm one of the pastors, and I get the privilege of preaching to you today. Finishing up the sermon series like Jeff just talked about. It's been a, it's been a really cool sermon series. Uh, the heart behind it, I want to tell you a little bit about it, was that you know, there's a lot of questions within culture that sometimes we're asking. Like, we want to know the why behind things in church. Maybe we don't want to ask those questions out loud. I always find it interesting that there's people to say it because they don't want to be that person to say it or they don't want to come across like they're asking a dumb question. And I just think there's not dumb questions. Like, you should know. And then that just doesn't lead to good things, right? Like you need to know why we're doing the things that we do. And sometimes we ask questions about like how culture impacts the church. And so we asked questions from each chapter. We just said, okay, what can we pull from this chapter, this chapter? Like we couldn't preach every verse. Uh, We asked questions like from chapter one, what is the gospel? We talked about how the church should handle sexual sin. We talked about what we, like if what we do even matters, seeing that God is sovereign and we talked about if God cares about our relationship status. And there's obviously numerous other sermons that we hit on and questions. And maybe there's certain questions or sermons that stood out to you more so than, than others. But our heart then behind this was not just to answer those questions, but to see each and every one of you who, who attend here regularly or your covenant member, to see your hearts changed to see your hearts grow towards your love for Jesus. Maybe you're coming here and you've been a Christian for a long time and there's just some things like you've wrestled with and you just wanted to hear like a little bit more insight to it and you were able to get that and grow in your love for Jesus. Maybe you've been coming here and you're skeptical of Christianity and there were some things that were answered for you that God just gave you clarity on. Maybe you're coming here and you're like, man, I don't believe in any of this, but I'm here and I'm listening and you're just working through what God might do. And so our hope and our heart is behind it is that God's stirring in each and every one of us, no matter what stage or place we're in in life, and so that God will just then shape us to be a very healthy church because the reality is is that we could end up being a lot like Corinth was at the beginning of this letter, just a really big mess. They were a terrible mess. I mean, they had so much stuff going on. They were glorifying sin. With You had a, a guy sleeping with his stepmom, and they were glorifying it, and they were not telling him, hey, like, you're in sin. They weren't following any practice that God would have them to do. Their their services were completely disorderly, and it was just a mess. And as Paul's written this letter, what we've seen is that their hearts started to change because there's no way that he would give them the instructions that he's giving them here if their hearts hadn't started to change because they wouldn't be able to do anything that he's laying out otherwise. And so, again, our desire is to see some, all of us, to just to grow, because nowhere in the Bible does it call for us to be nominal Christians. 
Like, if you read through the New Testament, there's not a place in it that makes it sound okay that you can just say, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I'll show up to church when it's convenient, and I may or may not participate, I may or may not give, or if I do give, it's just going to be a minimal amount. That's just not in the New Testament. And so we want to see people just, like, grasp a hold of what God's really calling us to do, and then just run with it, and just go, because there's too much at stake not to. Like, there's just too much. Like, people are dying and going to hell, and so we want to see everyone have a greater love for Jesus and seeing just his spirit then work in us. Now, the reality is, is, like I said, Corinth, it was really, really messy. We don't want to be a messy church. Not in the sense that culture is creating a mess because we're chasing after culture. We don't want to be a mess because we're chasing after the next fad in Christianity that, oh, this church is doing this. Let's try to do that now. We don't want to be a messy church because other religions are impacting how we do things, which you would think, well, that wouldn't happen, but it does. It does happen in churches where they let other things creep in. We don't want to be a messy church because of that. Will we be a messy church because we're sinners and we're going to mess up? Yes, we will. We're going to have a mess sometimes. Someone told me just a few weeks ago, if you're not dealing with a mess sometimes, that means you're not doing ministry where it's actually needed. And so we need to have a mess every once in a while to remind us that there's sin and that God is a God who steps into the mess and redeems and reconciles and brings hope. But through all this then, what is the goal? We've been 16 weeks, we're finishing it up, and the goal is this. It's our big idea, but it's also our markers for success as a church. It's that we want to see each and every person who calls Heights home become a family of story-formed, hospitable, missional strategists. Now, that's a, that's a mouthful. I'm going to break it down because some of you maybe have never heard that before. If you've been to the Newcomer Hangout, we, we go over that every time. It's part of our vision frame, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But the reason we want you to be a family, a story-formed, hospitable, missional strategist is this, is that if you're a born-again believer, that means you've been adopted into the family of God. You're a son or daughter of the Most High God. So now you're a family, and God has placed you here as this part of this family at Heights. Like, he's, you're here. Can we, make, can we leave that on the screen, too, the, that, um, the big idea? And then we want to see you be story-formed. Being that the gospel, the, the gospel story of God's redemptive work throughout all of history is forming your whole identity. Your identity is found in that. Your identity is not found in being um, a man, a woman, a dad, a mom, a, a, a son, a daughter, a whatever profession. Like your identity is first found in Jesus Christ. And then everything you do flows from that. Like the, the gospel story is forming and shaping how you live. And then we want to see each and every person be hospitable. We want to see people actually living life with one another, being in people's homes, having people in your home, being out grabbing coffee, engaging with someone at your kid's practice instead of just sitting off to the side, scrolling on your phone aimlessly. Like we want to see you engaging with people and then we want to see you be missionally strategic, meaning no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing, whether it's in your job or your neighbor or whatever, that you're missionally strategic. You're looking for ways to get the gospel conversation started. Not every single time you come across someone, but that you're thinking through, like, could I inject the gospel here? How could I share the gospel with this person? How can I show them the love of Jesus? That would be the markers of success for our church. Now, I'm going to walk you through the vision frame because I want you to have a better idea of it. So it's going to be on the screen. Some of you maybe have never seen this before, but it's really, really important. It's a vital part of what we do because basically if you picture the, the vision frame here as like a picture frame, if it doesn't meet these qualifying markers around it, the, the mission, the values, the strategy, and the outcome, then we're not going to do it. 
we know exactly who we feel that God has called us to be. And we, if you were here last week at the Covenant Member Party at Celebration, for those of you Covenant members, Pastor Corey laid out very clearly, we're getting back to the basics of who we are. Like, we're just going to pioneer and move forward, not worrying about if it makes sense to someone else at another church or people coming from different churches to hear, being like, why do you guys do it this way? We used to do it this way at my church. Cool. You can, that, that's your church. That was your old church. This is here. This is how we do it. We're going to go forward, and we're not going to question whether or not we're doing the right thing because we know what God's called us to do. But we're going to make sure that it fits within this. And so... The what or the mission is simple. We want it to be so simple that even kids back there could know it, is that we are connecting people to the family of God. They become a Christian. They, they hear the gospel. They respond. They become a son or daughter of Christ, of, of, of the God the Father. Like they're, they're there. They're believing in Jesus. That's the mission. That's what we want to do. Well, why would we do that? It's what we say every week. Gospel, community, and mission. The story of God, the people of God, and then as the people of God, taking the story to those who do not yet know it. Well, how are we going to get that done? And you can see the strategy there at the bottom. If you can read it, it's kind of small, but the strategy is Sunday morning gathering. Oh, yep, it's there too. I forgot. Sunday morning gathering. It's, it's vital. Like, it's, it's a big part of what we do, but it's not the main part of what we do. Like, we put a lot of effort into this to make sure that it goes well and that we do it successfully in a sense of that we honor God. That's success for us. It's not that I preach an amazing sermon or Corey preaches an amazing sermon or that the songs were perfect on, on key or whatever it is you guys do, Mark. I don't know. But sure, it's on key. Um, I don't know those words. Uh, but we want to do it well. But then the primary thing that we do is missional community. If you're not part of a missional community, you're missing out on the, like, the lifeblood of who we are as a church. Like You're not going to be in the, in, the, in, in the know because you're going to be like, well, how'd that get announced? Right? I didn't hear about that. Because it happened in missional community. And that's where we live a lot of our life because it's not just that one night gathering, but it's gathering together to help someone out or to watch someone's kids or to do a meal for somebody. There's, that's living life together missionally as a group of people. And then you'll see Servant Leadership Institute. That's formally HC Institute. We're changing the name of it because we want to better partner with other churches throughout the whole St. Louis region so that we can see people answering the call to ministry, being discipled and grown. And so this is just a, a, another way of calling it something from another church over in uh, Matthias Lot over in St. Charles, and they're doing it in the St. Louis region, and we're going to be the church doing it here on the, on the east side. And what it does by not calling it Heights Community is it opens up the door that people are like, oh, I would go to that. Some people will get funny about wanting to go to something that's a church-specific thing, but people could do church planting residencies or ministry residencies, internships, and then also the electives like what we do on Monday nights now. And then lastly, part of our strategy is that we want to have strategic partnerships. So Jeff referenced the end of your giving, and you can see the cards in your chair backs that has all these different ministries listed out. The goal is $40,000. If we can throw that up on the screen, that, that slide that has that, like we, we thought through, like, okay, what are we doing here? Why are we picking these people? It was a long conversation in our elder planning week. Like we put a lot of effort and time into thinking through who are we going to have on there, what dollar amounts, what's our goal, because we wanted to strategically partner with people that we trust to advance the gospel. Not just to do the things that they're called to do, but like all these ministries, from African Vision of Hope down to Fishers of Men, like everything in between, they're not just doing good things, they're doing God things by being on mission and seeing people come to know Christ in each and every one of those. And that is the key. 
And so like we are strategic in that. And then if we're doing all these things, well, how do we know we're successful? It's not by our budget. It's not by attendance. And it's not by just baptisms because you can get a lot of people wet in a horse trough and it doesn't mean that they're actually following Jesus. We want to see people doing this. We want to see each and every one of you connecting people to Jesus because you value gospel, community, and mission, and you're using the mechanisms that we've put in place to do so. And if you're doing that, you'll look like a family, a story-formed, hospitable, missional strategist. And you're thinking, okay, that's great. You just walked me through the vision frame. What about 1 Corinthians 16? Well, I think Paul lays out some really clear things, and there's four points that we're going to see to help us get to that. It's an expectation for mission, a preparedness for mission, a recognition for mission, and partnering for mission. And so we're just going to walk through these four things. And so the first one is an expectation for mission. By the time, like I said, Paul was writing this, the church was kind of getting their act together. They weren't a complete mess. They are just a little bit of a mess probably. And he's giving them some clear instructions because he, Paul, had an expectation for mission. He knew it was going to happen. And so he wants them to live out the biblical manhood and womanhood that they're called to as believers. And so since he has an expectation for them, he tells them to take up a collection, just the same as he directed the churches of Galatia. So you are also to do, it says in verse 1. And so he gives them some things to do, and we'll get to that in verse 2 later on. But he wants them to understand that there was a mission to be part of. Not just there in Corinth, but to the ends of the earth, basically. Like he's saying, there's churches, we're going to take up a collection for the saints. That's specifically for, for the saints, the believers in Jerusalem. And he wanted them to have, they needed help. They needed aid. And so he's calling them to do so. Now here's the problem. Churches can cease to have mission. We stop expecting to be on mission. And what happens then is what we become is just a collection, a gathering of moralistic deists which would mean that we believe there's a God, there's a higher being, we may not even call it God anymore, and that there's some moral code that we should live by. We should, you know, be kind to others, we should be generous, and we should vote a certain way. And then everything's gonna be okay in the end. That's ridiculous and not church. Like, that's just not it. Like, we don't wanna be moralistic deists. Yes, we believe there's a God and there is a moral code that he's given, but yet it flows from our identity in him not from something that the culture's told us to be. And so this quote, I love it. It says that the church doesn't have a mission in the world, but the God of mission has a church in the world. Like that's who we are. We are his vehicle of choice to take his gospel story, his power to save to the ends of the earth. But if we don't expect to be on mission, then we're gonna fail when the mission arises because we weren't ready for it. We weren't prepared, which we're gonna talk more about because that's point two, but how many churches have just stopped expecting mission? Why do you think 70 churches a week across North America close their doors? Because they stopped expecting to be on mission. And what happens then is they start to expect to be self-preserving. They just want to keep the doors open. Well, we can't be on mission. We're gonna, we got to do this and we got to take care of all, of all of us. And we can't spend any of that money. God forbid we spend any of the money that God's given us. There are churches that are on the verge of closing their doors that would make our bank accounts look abysmal. But they got a lot of money. Cool. God is not going to be at the end of the day when we're all wrapping this thing up and he's returned and being like checking our bank accounts and be like, you guys did really good. You invested in some solid CDs and some, you know, some good funds there. I'm really impressed at how you guys saved that money. You had plenty of money in case a tornado came and blew your roof off. You could have paid for anything to repair anything in your building. 
He is not going to care. He's given us the resources so that we can advance his kingdom. So we have to continue to expect mission. And that's what Paul's telling him. Verses 1 through 4, he says, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside. So he's saying on Sunday, show up with an expectation to set something aside for the mission. So when you give, whether you give online or you put in the boxes over there, you're giving to the mission. Whether it's to turn on these lights so we can pay Amron, or it's the, the money's going to Mike Bird or to Indonesia, you're still giving to the mission because that's part of the whole, the whole general budget is moving the vehicle of Heights, God's chosen vehicle here at Heights, to go forward. And so the, that's an expectation. He's giving that to them. They expect mission. So you put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. He doesn't want the distraction because he knows when he shows up, there's gonna be, oh, Paul's here. He wrote us that really hard letter. There's gonna be some people mad. There's gonna be some, some people happy and they're like trying to, now let's start collecting money. Probably isn't gonna go well. And he says, and when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So he's expecting to be on mission, expecting even to be the one to take the money possibly to Jerusalem. Let's keep going. In verses five and six, he says, I will visit you after passing through Macedonia, for I intend to pass through Macedonia, and perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. So he's expecting to get there. Now what he's telling them is I may stay for a little bit, but I might stay all winter, and I'm expecting you to support me while I'm there. Why? Because he was a missionary who's traveling around. Like we've already talked about, Pastor Corey preached on, should, does a pastor deserve a wage? Yes, he does deserve a wage. And so Paul, he's laying out that expectation. He's already covered that, that it should be a thing, that he should be supported. And so he's telling them, I'm going to be there, and I'm expecting you to help me on my journey. Paul's missionary journey went on for years, and he knew that he was going to go on from there and not stay there for, forever. And so there's an expectation then for mission. Verse, verses 10 and 11. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you. Well, how would you put someone at ease? By supporting them because you're saying, I expect Timothy, he's on mission, and so we're expecting to help him do that. For he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. So let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. Paul is expecting of mission, even those people coming to be on mission with him. So there's always this expectant mind. Verses 15 and 16 it says, now I urge you, brothers, you know that the house of, of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they had devoted themselves to the service of the saints. Be subject to those as these and to every fellow worker and labor. So he's saying, you see these people who are doing the mission, partner in with them. Be there. Have an expectant mind that you're going to do this. There was, no, there was an understanding that the church doesn't operate by itself. The, the lowercase c church, let's use heights for example, we don't just operate in like no one else matters. We want to be part of the global church, the capital C church. We want to be expecting to be on mission, not just here in Collinsville or the Metro East, but to the ends of the earth. And that means everywhere in between. And we do that because we have an ex expectation that it's going to happen. We don't want to become just expectant of self-preservation because we'll stop being kingdom-minded. We'll stop. And then what we do is we don't prepare for mission. And so the next point that we see is a preparedness for mission. Paul's very clear. He gave them a plan. 
Verse 1, now concerning the collection of the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia. So he's kind of saying, this has worked before, so let's just keep doing that. You're going to do the same thing. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Like He had a plan for the mission. He was prepared for the mission. He was also then, when he tells them that I'm going to come to you, and I might stay a little while, I might stay all winter, he's telling them, you need to be prepared for the mission. That we think through what we're doing. Like, that's why we have this vision frame that I walked you through in the beginning of the sermon. We know that there's a mission and we want to be prepared for it. We think through, like I said, who's going to be on our end of year giving? What church plants are we partnering with? What international missions are we partnering with? What things do we want to do or not do? And we kind of stripped it back down. We're like, hey, we're getting distracted. We're not on mission. We're getting over here and over here. We want to just be very zeroed in, and we want to now prepare for it. Part of the way we prepared for it is like we sent the covenant members the budget months, not months, weeks. <laughs> months would have been we were way ahead of schedule. Um, weeks in advance so that you could read over it, you could ask questions, and then what we did to prepare for that vote was we answered questions. We had conversations. Corey sent out a 30-minute video. That um, How many of you watched it? Yeah, I got in trouble because a, a covenant member said, have you watched the video? I was like, no, that's part of the meetings where we talked about it, so I didn't really think I should watch the video. He's like, well, why don't you watch the video? I was like, yes, sir, I'll watch the video. So I watched Corey's video, and then Corey did a really good job of sending out emails. After that, Jeff sent out an email about a new soundboard. Like, there was preparing for a vote, for the budget. And you think, well, what does a budget have to do with mission? We can't do mission if we don't have money to do it. Like, Reality is it takes money to do mission. I don't care if it's here or overseas. I've been overseas. It takes money to do missions in Africa. It takes money to do missions in Indonesia. It takes money, just different levels of money. And so we prepared, and we sent that out. I like preparing for stuff. I ask all kinds of dumb questions, hard questions. Sometimes people think I'm negative because I'll ask like questions, just nodding his head and grinning at me. Like, I was in a, a, a meeting for the city this past week, and they were, I'm on a Park and Rec's advisory board, and they were showing out a plan for some steps that they're going to be doing, and I think it's an amazing plan that's going to make the city of Collinsville a better place. But I asked them really hard questions, like, have you thought about how this will impact traffic? Have you thought about how it will impact the ability to use or go eat at restaurants if you're bringing in this many more people because of this? And they were looking at me like I was just being negative, and I wasn't. I like asking about all the possibilities, all the things that could happen if we do this. I like being prepared because I've not been prepared before. And then I fail, and then I feel stupid, or I'm aggravated, or whatever. And when you fail to prepare, you might as well just get ready to fail, because that's what's going to happen. And so we need to prepare for mission. We shouldn't just be thinking, oh, I'm going to show up in 2024, and mission's just going to happen. No, we do things like HC Institute, going to be Servant Leadership Institute, so we can prepare you. We encourage you to be in missional communities and push for that to be in there, because it's helping prepare you for mission and giving you a platform to do it. I mean, think about it. For any of you that have a kid, you prepared, right? Like you didn't just like show up at the hospital and you've not gotten a nursery ready. You had to have a car seat or they ain't sending you home with that baby. Like you had to do something. You had to prepare. You, if you've ever um, gotten ready for Christmas, I, most of you are not finishing or just starting your Christmas shopping on Christmas Eve. That would be crazy. Some of you might. That's really gutsy. Good for you. But like you prepare. You get a tree out. Hopefully you waited until after Thanksgiving to get your tree out. If you did not and you did it before Thanksgiving, 
we're not cool with each other, but that's okay. Um, if you've ever done anything sports or physical competition, you practiced, you got in shape, you prepared. If you go hunting, you, you get prepared, you get your gun or you get your bow, you get your stuff out. Anything you do in life, you get prepared. And so why wouldn't we get prepared to be on mission? Paul wanted to get the money to Jerusalem. He knew that they needed it. They were getting beat up on both ends from the Romans and from the Jewish community because they were no longer, they were Christians and they were just in this weird spot. The Jews didn't like them and the pagans didn't like them and they needed help because they weren't even able to get jobs anymore because they were so disliked. Paul wanted to stay the winter like I talked about and so he wanted to make sure they were prepared to help him. They, he wanted them prepared to help Timothy and these things can't happen if there's no prep work. And so again, we want to make sure that as a church that we are doing everything that we can to prepare all of us, not just the staff, not the elders, to be on mission. It is a collective work, us together as the body of Christ here in Collinsville that God has formed. Like you're not here by chance. You're not just here just because. You're here because God sovereignly placed you here for the mission that he has given us. And so Paul wanted to see the church at Corinth functioning in a way that they are prepared for mission. Because the church, if it exists without mission, then we're, we're missing the whole point because we exist to worship Jesus and to make him known where worship does not yet exist. That's what we're called to do. But if there's no expectation, then we're definitely not gonna be prepared. And then what's gonna, the problem's gonna happen is that we're not gonna recognize mission when it's there. And so we have to have a recognition for mission. This is harder than it sounds because here's the problem we'll do a lot of good things for people. You can do good stuff. Like we go down to Fairmont City and we feed kids lunches every Friday when, from the time school lets out for the summer till school goes back, every Friday. There's people, you got, many of you probably have been down there. If we don't go down there with an expectation and a preparedness and then a recognition for mission, what's gonna happen is we're just gonna feed a bunch of kids and we're gonna play some games with them and they may or may not hear the gospel, but if they never hear the gospel and we fed them, that's a good thing. But going to hell on a full stomach, you still went to hell. We don't want to just do good things. We want to do things with the recognition that there's a mission at hand. There's a mission that we need to step into. It's why we talk about being missionally strategic, being missional strategist, because we have to recognize that there's a mission that we need to be part of. We need to say, oh, there's an opportunity to share the gospel. Or the way I'm saying this to this person is planting a seed for later on. Like, we need to be doing that. If, if our whole hope is just to do nice things for people, then again, we're just going to be a bunch of moralistic deists. We're gathering together as like some, just like a non -for, just another non-for-profit. We're just not another non-for-profit. We are the church of God. Like, we're to take his mission forward, but we have to recognize the mission at hand. We have to be able to see it. And then a lot of times it's because we don't just listen to the Holy Spirit. We're not praying. We're not reading his word. Like, we have to be in tune with his spirit. He's dwelling in us so that we can say, oh, wow, there's an opportunity. The way that person said that, I ought to inject the gospel there. I ought to start a conversation there. I'm not saying every time you see something going on, you like run over to help your neighbor carry something. Hey, let me tell you about Jesus as you're carrying this thing. Like, but you do help your neighbor with the hopes that maybe that opens the door for further conversation. Paul recognized mission. But look at what he writes in verse eight. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Verse nine, this is it. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. 
he recognized there was a wide open door to do ministry. He's like, I'm not going to leave here. There's a mission at hand in Ephesus, and I'm going to stay here because a wide open door is open for me. So I'm, I'm going to stay here until Pentecost. He, would, had, he expected mission. He was prepared for mission. And when he got to Ephesus, he recognized it, and he took off with it. And he's like, I'm going to stay here until Pentecost. And I'm just guessing from everything you could read that Paul writes in the New Testament, if it wasn't done, he would have stayed past Pentecost. He wasn't just going to take off. Like he was prepared to do this. And so for us then, do you recognize mission? Do you see it? Like are you just like here and you're just like, eh, yeah, I love, I love going to heights. Great sermons most of the time. And the songs are good when they're on key, right? We got that down. And, and so like that, that's it. If that's all you're here for, like you're never going to recognize mission. You're just here to consume and, that's a, and I don't say that to be like harsh. I say it to be like the reality of it. Like, it's not what we want. We want to see you living out your faith, like call, doing what God has called you to do. And so when we do that, then what happens is you look at verse 18. It says, for they refreshed my spirit, as he's talking about these other people. For they refreshed my spirit as well as yours. Give recognition to such people. Part of the reason why we also stress missional community is this, is because not only are you on mission then for people outside of our church, those who are lost, but you are on mission for one another. Many, many times, like you, many of you have refreshed my soul just by a conversation or a text or just hanging out and not having expectations on me to be Pastor David. I just get to hang out. Like that refreshes my soul. I hope that our preaching refreshes your soul, that our worship refreshes your soul, and that being just hanging out with us as staff, as elders, refresh your soul. But it's a two-way street. Like, we're here together. That's part of, like, recognizing the mission is, like, serving one another as well. And Paul, he's saying, like, man, like, they refresh my spirit as well as yours. And so that's what he, want, he wanted them to see that. And I want you to see that, that there's always opportunities for mission. Are you recognizing it? Are you stepping into it? But here's the big, like, crux of it all where we'll fall short is verses 13 and 14. It says, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Now, if we're going to stop recognizing mission, it's because we're going to fail at that. I, I think that he's given them all this prompting chapters 1 through 15, and he's, he's trusting them, but he's giving them a, a reminder here in two verses, saying, be watchful. Like, we have to be watchful, not just for the opportunity to step into the mission and recognize it, but we have to be watchful for people who are going to distract us from within the church at times and from outside of the church, whether it's culture, TV, politics, whatever. There's things that will distract us from the mission, and we need to be watchful for those things. But we also need to be watchful for what God is calling us to do. And then he says to stand firm in the faith. If we lack faith that God is faithful and that he has sovereignly set everything in place, that he has all the money in the world, then we will stop being able to be on mission because we'll be like, I don't know, I'm scared to do this. We'll be like the people in the wilderness, scared to step into the promised land. Like we need to be willing to step into it. And then next he says, act like men. Now I could sit here and I could harp just on men, but I know that the way that the New Testament is written is he is directing that towards adults in general. And so I'm going to look at each and every one of you. There's a grown adult in this room that professes faith in Christ. Then act like an adult man or woman. My gosh, at times we will act like children, children who aren't even saved at times. Like we need to act 
like adults and not let the world distract us. He's calling us to do that and then to be strong. He doesn't mean physically muscular and strong. He means be strong in the word of the Lord. Be strong in your prayer. Be strong in, in how you're coming together as a church. Are we doing that? And then you could do all that, but if you lack love, we've already talked about that. Pastor Corey preached a few weeks ago then we're gonna be messed up because verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. Are we doing that lovingly? So I, how are you doing with those things? And you, okay, well, that's a lot, David. I don't know. Well, I'm gonna ask it this way then. Look at your own individual life and now consider if the church was made up of hundreds of you, would we be a healthy church? We've asked that question before years ago. But if everyone in the church gave like you, served like you, loved like you, was on mission like you, would this be a church you'd want to attend? Or would you go find a new church real quick? It's a hard question to ask. It's a hard question to process. Like, because I, I don't know. And, I, and you, you might be one of those silly people in the room thinking, well, yeah, but if the whole church was like me, we wouldn't have anyone to preach or sing because I don't do those things multiply yourself by 300, but they have different giftings in different areas, but their willingness to serve, their willingness to give, their willingness to be on mission was all the same as yours is right now. Would we be able to be expectant of mission, prepared for mission, and recognize mission? Or would we be closing our doors? So Paul, he wants them to be a church that is healthy, that can impact the world and the global church. Because when we, what we do is what they did and what we do is we are partnering together for mission. Paul wanted the Corinth church to partner with the global church, the same as Galatia had, the same as, as other churches have for the help of the saints in Jerusalem, but then to take this, the gospel to the ends of the earth. That was the end goal. He wanted them to support him and partner with him so he could get to Rome. That was, his, that was where Paul was heading to. It's where he ends up. Like, so we partner on mission we want to be kingdom-minded. That's why we select those people that are on those ministries and the different non-for-profits that you see on that end-of-year giving card. That's why we are giving $129,000 away next year out of our budget, not even talking about the $40,000. $129,000 out of our budget, that's 15% of our budget, is going towards mission because we're gonna partner with church plants and different ministries and different networks so that we know that the gospel is moving forward. Like, that's, that's the goal. And then we do that because so many people have poured into us. In March will be 10 years that we've existed as a church. Now, there's a way of looking at that. Some of you are like, well, everything says established 2020. Yes, as Heights Community, it was established in 2020. But Corey and Jeff planted Heights in 2014. I planted Collinsville Community in 2016. In 2020, we merged and became Heights Community. So God has been at this amazing work for the past 10 years in the Metro East, using us in different capacities and different spaces, and then bring us together for what he's called us to do. And the reality is for the past 10 years, there's been so many people that have refreshed our spirits, as verse 18 says, has poured into us, has devoted themselves to the service of the saints, at Heights Community, however you want to break it down. And so the reason why we are partnering then with all these different missions is because so many people over the past 10 years has poured into Corey, has poured into me, to Jeff, into you by John Ryan coming to preach or uh, Tim Gray spending a year here with us or Mike Berg coming to preach, Raiden Hollis, Steve Mizell, like these men have poured into us and then they 
by default, like they're pouring into you as well. So we see places like the Sin Network and Sin Relief who pour into us. And so we give back to them. We partner with them. Acts 29, other supporting churches, like the church in Mississippi. I mean, they're, they're paying for our building to get painted. We missed the weather on getting it done, but they're, they're sending us a check for 6500 bucks so we can get our building painted because they were unable to send a team. So we want to pour back into other churches then. The church in Chattanooga comes and helps us put on a skating uh, camp for kids. Like this, like, so we want to go and send people to other churches then to help them. Corey just got back from preaching at Paul Fernandes' church this morning. We're sending worship leaders almost every week to different churches, whether it's Breeze or City on the Hill or wherever. Like we're sending them out so that we can help them because we want to pour back into others. We want to partner for mission. And so when you hear that we're giving away $40,000, we want you to be encouraged. It was crazy last week because I did the, the newcomer hangout. We got done and, and there was a couple there. And I said, like, what stood out to you about Heights so far? And they said, the, the end of your giving. I was like, oh, yeah, we do that every year. And they're like, well, yeah, we get that. But it's the fact that you said where it was going. I'm like, excuse me? What do you mean? And they're like, well, we've been in churches before. They said that we're going to collect an offering and we're going to give it all away, but they didn't say where it was going. I was like, listen, man, I'll tell you what. Right now, I'll have the guts to stand up there on stage and be like, hey, uh, we need $40,000 y'all's money, but we ain't going to tell you where it's going. I ain't even going to make it to my car before someone stops me and be like, you're, you're stupid. We ain't, giving you, we ain't giving you a dime until you tell us how you're going to spend it, and expectantly so. Because we want to partner our mission, so we tell you like, where it's going. Because we want you not just to give your money, but we want you to be like, oh, I could go help there. I could go serve at Mosaic Pregnancy Center with one of their, as a volunteer. I could go help a church planter. I could go do this. I could go do that, whatever it is. Like, we want you to partner in that. And so I want to ask you this. Are you bought in? Are you bought in? Are you expecting to be on mission in 2024? Because it's almost here. Are you prepared? If not, there's ways to get prepared. First is just starting off with seeking God's face. Just seek his face. Not his hand, his face. And then be in missional community. Be in his word. Be at Servant Leadership Institute when it starts back up. It's still going. You can be here tomorrow night from Monday from 6 to 8 with me. Like You don't have to have been part of it. You can jump in now. But be prepared and then be recognizing it. Because next year, like, we're going to just stick back to, like, the basics. We're going to do missional community. We're going to partner with people who are getting things done. And we're going to plant more churches. We're going to help stabilize churches that are struggling. We're going to send out worship leaders. We're going to send out people to preach. And we're going to send mission teams all over the place. And we want each and every one of you to play a part in that. It's going to look different for each and every one of you. But we want you to play a part in it. God's brought us together for a reason. And part of it is so that we can model what he does. See, God exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, and God fully recognizes there's a mission. That's why he sent his Son to die in our place. And Jesus recognized the mission, and he willingly went. He expected to be on mission. He expected to go to that cross because of the joy that's set before him, which is us. And he went, and he died. And then what does he do? As he rises again, he ascends to heaven. Again, he's on mission. He sends his Spirit to us so that we can be on mission for him, for his glory. And I hope that everything that we do is to his glory. So I'm gonna ask you guys to stand with me as we get ready to take communion. I wanna go back to that question. If our church looked like just a bunch of you, would we be a healthy church? If not, 
Is there something you need to repent of now? Before you come and you take communion and you celebrate all that God has done for you, is there something you need to repent of before you come in to celebrate all that he's done for you? Because you're maybe not doing anything for him. And you've been saved to do so. Maybe you're here today and you've been wrestling with some things and God has revealed something to you, to you through this sermon series. But I want to encourage you just to pray and, and to thank God for that, to respond to that. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never really wrestled through the reality that you were lost and that you were the mission and that God saw you and he loved you so much that he stepped down and took on flesh like we're gonna celebrate next week starting in Advent and that he died on a cross in your place. He took on the wrath of God so that you didn't have to experience it. And the Bible's just clear that if you just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he died and rose again, you will be saved. If you've never done that, now is the time. Don't wait. Like it's just, oh, I'll just figure it out later. If the Holy Spirit is prompting you, then stop ignoring it. Recognize that he's on mission for you. So let me pray for us. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you saved us, that you called us to be on mission. It's amazing to think that you would even use us, Lord. And so God, I, just, I pray that in that, God, that we, we step into it and we do what we're called to do. And that as we take communion then, Lord, that we realize that you went on mission first, so now we're just following after you. And then we take this communion just realizing there's a, bigger and better feast that awaits us one day when you return and you finish the mission. But God, we know that we're already victorious in it. You've already won. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You respond when you're ready. Come and take communion.